Hello and welcome. You are listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch movement. They want to see Matthew 24, 14 happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening to Resiliency. Steve and I have been producing this podcast for nearly two years now, and with 46 episodes uploaded, we have 30,556 total plays and an estimated 275 people regularly listening. That's kind of amazing. Before we start today's interview with Melissa Shipman, I want to ask you to do three things. First, if you are an Apple Podcast listener, go to reviews and write one for this podcast. Let us know how we are doing. Second, if you have an idea for a topic that we haven't covered or need to cover again, send us your thoughts to resiliencypodcast at antiochwaco.com. And then third, please share this podcast with your coworkers. We would love to care for a wider audience of global workers, and you can make that possible. For now, welcome to this episode of Resiliency. Well, Melissa Shipman, welcome to Resiliency. Thank you. Why don't you you tell our listeners uh, who you are and what you do? All right. Well, I'm so happy to be here with you. Um, My name is Melissa Shipman. I'm the executive director of PACE, which is the professional association for cross-cultural consultants and education, which is a mouthful. But Mm -hmm. um, basically, we aim to be a resource for the folks who are serving on the field as um, TCK, MK education consultants. So we offer online courses and resources for them. And then I'm also the co-founder of Learn Well Home Education Collective, which is something we started four years ago that provides homeschool support for homeschooling families. And we really started four families on the field. We now have some North American families who have joined us, but um, our aim is to, to be a support for families who are either um, by choice or understandably because there aren't other choices homeschooling. So um, wow. those are the things I do. More importantly, I'm um, a wife and a mom to two girls who are nine and 11, Grace mm-hmm. and Maggie. Sweet. Wow. Well, you've already hooked our listeners. Just by saying what services you provide through PACE and Learn Well, I can already hear, see some moms and dads going, oh, we need to listen to this because this is the kind of help that we need. That's what we're counting on. We're really thankful for you being with us here today. I know our education consultant with AMI, Betty Lewis, highly recommended that we talk to you and you have provided some of that equipping and training to her already, your organization has. So thank you so much. Well, what what led you to this field of educational consultant for cross-cultural worker families? Um, Well, when I was 26, I was teaching in public school. I was a high school special education teacher with no passport, never having been overseas, Um, had a vague notion of missionaries from the visits we would get at our church, but that was pretty much it. And we had a a family who were some family friends who served in Romania, and they kept asking me to come teach their kids and help them homeschool their kids. They were a blended family. Um, Mom and dad had both lost spouses, and then 
uh, they married and there were seven children ranging in age from about two to 16. And um, wow. <laughs> I just thought that was the craziest thing I'd ever heard. I, I was a high school special ed teacher, didn't understand how I could possibly help in that scenario. And I don't even need to tell you the story because I'll bet we all have stories like this. I said no a lot of times. And then all of a sudden, God made it clear to say yes. And so I went to Romania for a little less than a year and was essentially a homeschool helper for um, teenagers from two families who were serving in that area of Transylvania. So I had five high school kids come to my apartment every day for school. It was fantastic. It was definitely um, a sweet season. And so through that, I was exposed to Share Education Services, which was the organization I later worked for. Um, in Hungary and just got to know a lot of folks on the field. So a few years later, I, I went back and started serving with Cher. Wow. Well, well Melissa, you, you and I were talking a few minutes before the, the interview. And so you know that I come from that era when um, the only options really were boarding school. And mm-hmm. so uh, that, there wasn't a whole lot of philosophy. There wasn't a lot of different ways of doing uh, education. But now there is there's a lot more options. And so just talk to us a little bit. What are your, some of your philosophies and the frameworks of education for on the field that, that you help advise people through and, and talk with them about? Well, I would say there are two main um, frameworks that I would encourage families to, to think through. The first one is that pre-field planning, as much as you can plan for the education of your children before you even go, is just key. Um, there, there's just so much in that bucket of we don't know what we don't know. And so um, I would say this even for a family who's been on the field, but possibly about to make a big transition, um, move to a different continent or a different country, a different field. As much as you can make an education plan um, to help get through that transition and about how you'll be providing for the education of your children there, Um, can be a real key to success. You know, there are some obvious examples like uh, a family feeling called to some place like Germany and planning to homeschool. It's not legal in Germany. And so if we can catch that on the front end, um, great. But also I think pre-field planning gives families an opportunity to think forward to ask folks who are already serving on the field, what are the realistic options there? Because we just, again, we don't know what we don't know. And so we may be assuming that some options will be available there that that aren't. And, um, or likewise, that there may be some things available that we don't even know about. So I definitely encourage families as much as possible to get in on the front end of that. Um, The other thing that I I absolutely, with all my heart, believe is that education, while important, I'm an educator, I think it's really important, but it fits into the big picture of life. And so, you know, I always like to tell parents, there is not one perfect education option, that if you just get that perfect option, everything will fall into place. We have to look at this in the big picture of what does ministry ask of us? Um, how is the mental health of everyone in the family? Each, how is it each individual child doing in a moment? And, that, and we build our education plan and we make our education choices out of that bigger framework. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah and we, so I think those two things are super important. So if you have one of those plans ahead of time and then you find out, you get there and you find out it's not working, how, how important is that to, to stick to what you originally planned? 
or is there flexibility in that? Oh, I think there's always flexibility in that. And I think that, you know, honestly, if there's anyone listening that feels that way, that what we're doing right now is not working, um, know that you are 100% normal <laughs> and that um, our kids are moving targets. Mine are 9 and 11 right now. So I speak from experience. What worked last year may not work this year. And so I would really encourage families to find an educator with whom they can process this. Um, I always point people to their education consultants because those folks are there to serve you in exactly this capacity. I want to make sure that I mention that um, there are organizations like Share Education Services. They serve families who are in Europe, Russia, Central Asia, and parts of the Middle East. Um, AERC is Asia Education Resource Consortium. They're um, based in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and they serve families all over Asia. Um, Anchor Education serves families in Africa. And these organizations are there to both to provide educational counsel, but they also pre-COVID and post-COVID, God willing, um, they offer some great educational conferences where you can, you know, go and meet other families, get a lot of counsel, and even possibly obtain testing if that's something that you need. So that obtain testing is a great segue into into this, Melissa, in whatever the academic setting may be, homeschooling, national school, international, online, whatever. What about the parent who's out there and they're asking, Melissa, here on the field, how do I know if my child is getting enough? You know, I'm concerned that they'll be, they'll be behind their passport country peers, you know, being in this education environment that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. How can they know, is my child getting enough? Well, Understand that even if you were to, if you're North American and you're, you're based out of the United States, that if we take a third grader on one side of the United States and a third grader on the other United, side of the United States, they're not going to be doing exactly the same things at the exact same time. So understand that there's not an, a magic ruler in the sky against which we measure all third graders at the same time. Um, but I also would just encourage you to look at the big picture of all of the truly amazing experiences that your MK um, is, is having it with you alongside you know, your ministry on the field and just your day-to-day -day life. They are having experiences that, that outpace any social studies curriculum I've ever seen, <laughs> any, uh, certainly any language curriculum. Um, so understand that there are so many advantages educationally for kids on the field. Now, I would also say a lot of times families come to us with questions about their children possibly being behind based on some test scores. So if they possibly take, uh, you know, take advantage of some achievement testing or something like that at a conference, um, that can be a bit discouraging at times. And so I want to make sure I remind you that um, there are these things called norms, and that's where, and I know that you both know about this, you, you, I'm sure, do some testing. So when your child takes a United States-based achievement test, they're being lined up against a typical public school kid here in the United States. And so they don't have the amount of English around them. They're not working in American currency. Um, they're not watching TV and English all day. And so their experiences are different. 
And so I want to make sure that you understand that when you get a test score, um, that you put it into that big picture of understanding that, you know, as many degrees different from that norm that your child is, um, the less valid that test score is. And so I really would encourage you not to to worry too much about those um, unless they're really some um, extremely low scores. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, along those lines too, something that we hear a lot, especially as a therapist, I get asked from time to time, how do we distinguish the difference between a learning disability and just a delay that's more inherent to uh, cultural differences or learning two different languages? How do I know the difference between an actual learning uh, disability and that? What can we tell parents that would help them to to make those those decisions that might need to take further action on? Well, that is a really big question. And that's that's hard to just have one answer to. Come on, you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) One question I would ask to start off with is whatever you've been observing, whether it be a speech delay or a reading difficulty, have you been observing this for more than six months? Anytime that we've uh, served families on the field um, and reached out to an expert, they've always asked that question. If it hasn't been more than six months, it's not really time to to worry yet. It's not unusual for um, little kids who are learning to be bilingual to go through a small season of stuttering or something like that. And so um, just know that that is, in some sense, you know, the wiring in their brain just adapting. And so little hiccups along the way are not unusual. Um, I would also, for sure, point you to your education consultant. You need an educator to process this with who has experience um, either in the classroom and hopefully, you know, supporting families on the field as well. And so you need that perspective that has some objectivity to it. So many times when we, you know, talk with families on the field, they may be in isolated situations. So really they're comparing child one with child two with child three. And so you need to get some outside observations and and perspectives of that. But then if you do feel like there is a significant problem, I would encourage you towards some sort of um, educational testing. And probably one of the best resources for you would be one of those organizations I mentioned earlier, SHARE, AERC, or Anchor, um, at their conferences that they offer regionally. They often have an educational psychologist who will be there and available to offer different types of testing. Another possible resource for that would be some international schools in the area. Some of them have educational psychologists on staff or who visit regularly, and so that could be another place where you could find that type of testing. That's great. You mentioned um, pushing people toward the educational consultant. And so we have one with AMI, but a lot of our listeners might be from organizations that don't have one. And Mm -hmm. so do those different organizations that you mentioned also provide educational consulting? They do. They do. And they offer that. um, Their models are slightly different. So you could reach out to SHARE. Um, share education services, and again, they're in Russia, yeah, Europe, Russia, and Central Asia, and parts of the Middle East. Um, they will offer you can send an email to Share, and they'll have a consultant touch base with you, and you can ask them anything. Um, AERC, because of the security concerns in that area, has a bit more of a membership model, but it's not terribly cost prohibitive. 
And uh, Anchor primarily operates through their conferences. They offer local homeschool conferences. And so you can just see when one will be nearby. But it's always worth reaching out to those organizations because they are, they serve families from, from any sending organization. Right. That's super helpful. Thanks. Because people are getting to know Melissa Shipman right now uh, mm-hmm. and the people are thinking, ah, I want to get in touch with her. Is that, you know, Melissa, do you just for our listeners, um, how would they get in touch with you? And would you, which one of the things that you just mentioned, like, oh, I, I would consult somebody or we have a fee here or what, you know, I mean, uh, you're, you're on this, you're in the spotlight, right? Sure. <laughs> sure. Shoot your own horn. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I am an associate staff member with Share still. And so I, um, not in 2020, but prior to 2020, travel to one or two conferences a year where you can find me. Um, I'm happy to share an email address. I can do that right now or just... Go ahead and do it while it's on our mind. <laughs> okay. So my email is melissa at learnwellcollective.org. And I would be happy to, I don't know everything and no educator. I'm, I can't possibly be an expert in kindergarten through 12th grade and every right. possible hiccup in between, but I have gotten the opportunity to get to know a lot of folks. And so um, I, I either, if I can't help you, I, I'm welcome. sure I can point you to someone who can. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. So Melissa at learnwellcollective.org. Org. Org. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> So another question uh, just about the parents that are out there doing the best they can or their kids are in local schools or international, what have you. What about those that are on par speaking and reading in their first language and the parents want to try to make sure that they also know how to write in that first language in a formal academic way? And I I have heard this. I'm not our education consultant, but I have heard this (laughs) several times through the years where, oh, my kid speaks fine, but it's writing is atrocious, you know, or whatever it may be. So what about that, Melissa? Well, that is, yes, that's a a very normal concern. You're not alone. Um, That whole idea of supplementing national school um, or which would be like the local public school or an international school in the the second or third or fourth language um, is something Mm -hmm. that a lot of families have to tackle. And there are a variety of ways you could be creative with that. And it really depends on your situation. If you do have time in the day, um, so for instance, in Eastern Europe, the the local public school generally is a half a day. So there is time in the schedule to supplement that with some just, you know, I would point you to some high quality, basic reading and writing curriculum, just to, to do a little bit every day. Um, I would also encourage you not to forget math. We don't won't go into all of the reasons, but the the notations and just the ways of approaching math are very differently, uh, very different around the world. And so if you can hit some math, maybe that's in the summers through one of those fun summer workbooks or something like that, That's that would always be good. Um, I think a lot of this also depends on your long-term target. So if you're on the field for um, four years and you're planning on returning back to the States at that point, and you know that in four years we're going home, then you want to work towards that target. And so it may be something that at this point you just need to maintain some skills. But as you get closer to that transition back to your home country, 
um, you need to be more intentional about making sure that your children, you know, in a sense, speak the academic language of where they're heading. And so they'll be successful right. when you get there. That's good. So we already talked a little bit about setting up a plan ahead of time, pre-field planning, but what would be, uh, and this might kind of overlap with that question, but what would be some some questions that you typically run into with parents, uh, basically like the things that they don't even know that they should be asking? Mm-hmm. Well, we actually have, there, there are a lot of sending agencies do this pre-field planning um, internally, but there are also some external resources for this. Um, <clears throat> One is we have an online course at PACE that we offer for pre-field planning. And there's a whole education plan that walks you through a series of questions. Hmm. Uh, to Where we start, to be honest, is we give mom and dad each a questionnaire and they take that quick questionnaire and then compare answers just to make sure they're on the same page. Because we find at times <laughs> okay. not... Um, you know, this is funny, but in the early days of SHARE, one of our leaders actually suggested that all of us education consultants go get some training in marriage therapy because so many of our consults ended up having to uh, deal with a little bit of conflict there. We, we didn't go that far, but but we know that that can happen. And, um, and then just walking through an intentional process of looking at each child and discovering learning styles, if um, or learning preferences and their strengths and weaknesses and and putting that together into a plan that not only is the best for each child, but but overall can work well for the family on the field. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what we're aiming at. And so through part of that process, I think some very intentional uh, questioning of future field leaders and field teammates is an important part of the process and just learning that, learning what I don't know. There are no dumb questions. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you've mentioned, Melissa, several organizations already. Are there any other websites or other resources that you would recommend to people on the field? Just, hey, guys, be aware of this. It's a fantastic resource. I keep wanting to ask you about Khan Academy, but that's just because I'm a big fan. My kids were in school. <laughs> no. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think Khan Academy can be a great resource and possibly a good resource for that supplementing that we talked about a few minutes ago. What we did. Um, yeah, no, that can be great. If you are planning on homeschooling or already homeschooling and looking for curriculum, Kathy Duffy Reviews.com. It's Kathy with a C. Um, is one of the only places I know that really provides objective homeschool curriculum reviews. And so that's a really good starting point to be able to, you know, consider what you need for each child and even take into consideration the amount of planning time that you have and so forth. Um, I think that's a really great free resource. If you do need to homeschool and you, um, what, what happens so often on the field is both parents are involved in ministry, you know, different degrees and and we have many children and homeschooling can be overwhelming and isolating uh, to some extent. And so um, if LearnWell can serve you by just supporting you through connecting you with a teacher who's your coach and writes your lesson plans for you and really walks through the school year with you, we are at learnwellcollective.org. We would love to serve you if that would be a help to you. And then just those aforementioned organizations I keep mentioning to to connect you with education consultants. 
I would definitely encourage families to try to attend one of their education conferences. Um, they just end up being a time of some really deep, sweet connection, both with education professionals, but with other families as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, if our listeners didn't remember one other thing from today's interview, what would you want them uh, to have as a takeaway to walk away with today, Melissa? I think that, and I say this as a perfectionist myself, so I understand, there is no, there is likely no perfect educational solution for any one moment in time that is perfect for every member of the family at one moment of time. So I would just encourage you not to make perfection your goal. Mm -hmm. um, I would I would much rather you make um, having a happy, healthy family who's thriving where they are, who is resilient mm -hmm. um, and, and really looking at that big picture and, you know, not aiming for 100% on all cylinders, but rather uh, being realistic in, in how you look at the education of your children. Um, we, I'm all for rigor and high standards and, and preparation and, and so forth, but, um, but it has to work in the context of, of what God's called you to do. It's a voice of wisdom right there. Thanks. You know, I was just going to say, um, just thank you for everything that you shared today. And I can imagine this uh, being a pretty well listened, listened to and, and referred to podcast. Yeah. So oh, I'm happy to thank you. For thank you for inviting me. Super. Yeah. And I wonder if you could pray a prayer of blessing and impartation on our, our listeners. Sure. Absolutely. I'd love to. Oh, dear Father, I thank you for um, for everyone listening right now. And I pray for those families who are diligently serving you, who are involved in, in so many different types of ministry. I pray for, for them as they make decisions about their children's education. I ask for your wisdom and your peace about those decisions. I pray that once those decisions are made, that, um, that you would just guide these families and give them the, a, a steadiness of mind about how they have chosen to educate their children. And I just ask for your blessing, both on, on those educational endeavors, but in what you've called them to do on the field and the relationships that, that, that they're making every day there. I just pray protection um, as we're all dealing with difficult times right now and, and sometimes mental health issues are for sure trumping any educational issues. We just ask you to, to, be, to be with us as we know you are, to remind us that you are alongside us and, and that your peace and your love are available to us every second. Thank you for the ministry of this podcast. And we just ask you to multiply this tiny work of our hands. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again. That was that was awesome. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Well, listeners, thanks again for tuning in. That does it for this episode of Resiliency. You can follow us on Instagram at Resiliency Podcast. And so for now, I'm Silas West, and thank you for listening to Resiliency. Resiliency.